Welcome to Aphesis Church Podcast Channel. If you're in Columbia, South Carolina area, we would love to get to know you better and for you to experience what Aphesis is all about. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at aphesischurch.com. It is our prayer that this message truly speaks to you. God bless. I was thinking about this Sunday and just the service we had, and I just couldn't really really get away from the spirit of this Sunday, and I wanted to kind of talk about some numbers really quick before opening up. 8.1 billion people live on this earth. 8.1 billion people. 596 million people just in North America. We have 340 million people in the U.S. alone. We have 5.4 million people in South Carolina alone. We have 416,000 people in Richland County uh, alone. And in Columbia, the city that we are uh, residing in right now, we have 137,541 people. So I want to talk to you today, and I want to teach today my best. It's just really simple things that uh, I want us to get in our spirit today. But I want to talk about people, 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 people. And um, I want to just allow that to to sit in our spirit today. But we want to get a hold of God before we go further. I want us to ask God to bless us and ask God to strengthen us. And and, um, also, too, I I do want to say there are... people still going through some sicknesses. I know my mom is one of them. I know that there are some others uh, who are out due to illness. I know uh, Brother uh, brother Dunn, he's recovering from uh, hip surgery. Um, and so I know that there's others who are recovering from surgery, about to go in some more surgery. So we have a lot of things to go to God in prayer about. And I also ask you to pray for uh, Brother Ryan and his grandparents. Both his, grand, his grandfather and grandmother are, um, are going through uh, it right right now and we're just going to ask God to bless them so if you also have an unspoken prayer request by the raising of your hand we know God is a healer he's a way maker he's a provider and more than ever he loves us and I want to take advantage of that so let's just go ahead and bow our heads together God thank you thank you for today thank you for allowing us to be here today thank you Lord for your hand upon us and bringing us here safely Lord but we're asking you right now to touch every petition of on our heart all those members of ours who are sick in body, those who are unable to be here with us, I pray bring healing to their bodies, strength to their bodies and their, and their spirits. I pray right now for Brother Ryan and his family. Bring strength and peace right now to that family. I pray for, I pray for Brother Dunn, Lord. I pray recovery and strength in his body. All those petitions, all those hands lifted up, all those needs on our heart, God, we come to you knowing that if we can just ask, if we can see if we can knock that Lord you can answer and I pray Lord touch every need bless tonight bless our lesson today speak through your word and help us grow we thank you and in your name we pray in Jesus name amen and amen I want you to high five somebody before you're seated praise God 
How many of you brought your Bible today on a Wednesday night? Come on now, Bible bringers. How many bring a pen with you maybe? Or... Uh, how many of you just have uh, you're, you're the type that I don't even I, I just hide the word in my heart <laughs> I, I just I don't want to sin against him so I just put it right in there well, you, I'm so glad you're with us but I want to focus on kind of three chapters that you can kind of somewhat keep your finger in Matthew 13 Mark 4 and Luke 8 because those three chapters really help us understand people, 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 people. And and understand people, we have to understand that each individual can be better understood by their surroundings, by their location, by the culture maybe they're living in currently. If you want to know people, how many of you want to know people? I do. I hope we do. I hope we're a church that wants to know people because why is that so important to us? Why are people so important? Because it's God's passion. If, if it's God's passion, then I want it to be my passion. Uh, if God cares about people, then I need to care about people. How many of you would be honest and say, you know, sometimes I'm grateful for a garage door that can open and close without me getting in my car and seeing people? right? I mean, enjoy that technology, right? And I mean, if you kind of time your, you getting the mail in your mailbox by maybe you're coming home and, and your mailbox may not be in a, in a driveway situation, but you figure it out, don't you? You drive your car up on your yard, you, you reach out, you grab that mail and you, you know, do whatever kind of vehicle maneuver so you don't see people as you walk down to your mailbox and have a conversation. I have one of those neighbors across my street that he is that guy who if he sees me getting closer to my mailbox it's what was going to be a three-minute ordeal becomes a 30-minute ordeal some of that's good some of that's kind of you want to dodge that but we have to understand we can't live a life where we just are so secluded that it is just me knowing God and knowing God alone I, I, I hope we understand that the, the real root reason that you, are, if you have the Holy Ghost in you, hear me, if you've got the Holy Ghost in you, it is not meant for you to keep it in you. All right? It's, I know it's a probably very, if you're a note taker, just, just put that down there. The Holy Ghost is not meant to stay within me. It is meant to be pushed out. It is meant to touch somebody else. It's meant for people, 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 people. And so if we want to understand people, then we must understand their surroundings. And the reason I'm talking about people today is because I'm echoing that spirit from this Sunday's message. I, I, go, to our, I go to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. We're going to start there with a familiar text. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing. I like when Peter says that. Don't be dumb about this, yeah. right? Don't be ignorant about this. That one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. What, why, why would he want us not to be ignorant about that? What he's trying to emphasize here is that time is different 
for him than it is for us. Time is going to be a factor for us. It is not a factor for him. But he's, he's making us smart and wise to the fact here that because we are, we, everybody in here is, is a, a prisoner to time. It's just, we are, okay? You know, we can all have those great parties where we blow out candles and sing happy birthday, but the truth of the matter is we're getting closer to dying. All right, every candle that, that's fl flickering on top of that cake, not to get too morbid here, but it's a countdown time. Yeah. It's not I'm gaining more years, I'm losing more years, right? And so we need to understand here, he is coming to us in a very important type, type of spirit here that you have to understand that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day, but he continues as we do. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward. I'm, I'm going to just pause there a couple times through this text to say, thank God he's long-suffering to me. My God, I'm grateful that he has patience for me. But this goes on, not willing that any should perish, but that how many? Just 137,000 in the Columbia area? No, the 8.1 billion. Okay? All, he's hoped that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord has come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burnt up. Meaning that it isn't, we're, there is judgment coming, there is a finality to, to life, not just your life, but life as you know it, as we all know it. And eternity will kick off, and we will spend eternity some where. But God is so in love with people that he is long-suffering and he chose that his will, his perfect will, is that no one perishes. Amen. Right? Why is that vital? Why is that important to us? Because that must be our will. It must be our calling. It must be the thing that we have to do. It, we cannot, as I try to echo the spirit of Sunday, we cannot just come to church, enjoy a season of services, head back home, crawl back in our PJs, which I know many of us do, yeah. right? I'm one of those. Come on now, hallelujah, for some cozy PJs on a Sunday afternoon, right? But... Continue to go through your Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and not reach for one person. Right. That's, that's, if you think you've got the Holy Ghost and you're not reaching for them, I'm here to tell you you don't have the Holy Ghost. And I'm also here to tell you, well, I don't care if you're speaking in tongues. You know, it's, it was like, it's like one of those things here. If I can be Janice and Jambres for a second. And if you know who they were, they were the magicians who, who, who hung around Pharaoh. And here comes Moses and he, he throws down his, his, his rod and that thing turns into the snake. Janice and Jambres, well, we could do that too. What does that say? That means there are people that can also speak in tongues that aren't right. Yeah. They have, they have some supernatural abilities, but it ain't right. Yeah. 
We need to understand. We have to be different. We have to. We have to understand that. So it is not His will for people to perish. Therefore, it's not our will to allow people to perish. It is our will that we love people, 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 people. All right, let's get into Matthew chapter 13. Now I'm going to read the text in Matthew 13, and we'll get to the other text here and there a little bit, but they all echo the same thing. Matthew 13, verse 3. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside. And the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth. And forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns. And the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit. Some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Now here's number nine. This is for us today. Who hath an ear to hear? Let him hear. Why would he end it that way? Because he needs us to hear what this is about. Now, I just read to you several verses about specific soil. Well, let me go ahead and translate that. That's about people, 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 people. Okay? And for us to understand people, we have to understand first their surroundings. We got to understand where they come from. We have to understand what they're, what's around them. We're going to have to understand that, that that matters because if we can understand their surroundings, number one, then we can understand who they are and where they are in life and where they are in their walk with God. And so it's vital that we, we make some things very clear. There's a divine beauty that takes place when the seed, which is the word of God, and that sower... And that soil all work in perfect harmony. We just read about that good soil. That that good soil, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about it when we get there, but that, that good soil was able to multiply because, number one, the seed was doing its job, the sower was doing its job, and the soil was doing its job. And there's just something that happens that's beautiful, but it starts off with this, the Word of God. And we need to understand, this is going to be a very simple meat and potatoes lesson, so I hope, I hope we're okay with that. But can we agree that this never changes? All right? We're not trying to throw out some type of hybrid seed, cross-pollinated seed, a man-manufactured, a twisted theology seed. Okay, I don't know if you know anything about the corn. Did anyone have any, any corn recently, corn on the cob? Have you had any corn on the cob fan? I love me some corn on the cob. I'm a little partial to particular corn on the cob in certain areas. I grew up in Ohio. There's a special belt that runs through Ohio and Indiana. Indiana knows about this. And it goes and it kind of it creeps into, in, into Illinois a little bit. But it's, it's not just called corn. We call it sweet corn. Yeah. Right? And if you don't have a sweet corn dealer... Because I don't want to buy my sweet corn from a grocery store. I want to buy it from a guy who barely speaks English behind their truck on the side of the road. I just do. That's because I know that's the good stuff. I don't know how they got it. I don't know where they grew it. I, I just know 
that 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 1986 Ford pickup truck that you can see through all the rust holes. I want corn from that truck yeah. more than I want corn from Whole Foods. Yeah. All right, and. It's because you know where it came from. It's because you have a taste for a certain level, experience, and certain things. And today, if you go buy corn, there, the seed has been so genetically modified. Even to us, taking a step further, how many of you know that carrots were not originally orange? They were purple. They had a bitter taste. They had a different taste. You could still buy some purple carrots here and there, and you could probably test it out for yourself. But they were they they had a bitter taste. And what did they do? They went in and they they manufactured the seed and genetically changed it, removed some of the bitterness, and in the process of doing it, it changed the color of the product. Let me just say this: there are churches with pastors and preachers who are changing this. And I'm going to tell you the truth. This is if they're modifying a seed that should never be modified. We should never take away from this or add to it. And so if we understand right off, we're going to reach people and love people and grow people and, and win people and work with people. This can never change. And you can't change this and you can't modify it so that you can reach people. Now, I know it's going to be hard because you're going to say to yourself, if I if this wasn't in there, then I could reach this person. Yeah. If that sentence or that scripture didn't say it as such, then I really could. It would, I would have no problem reaching that person. That's that's right there. The trick of the devil. They want the devil would want you to us to believe that if we can just modify this just a little bit, just by a few degrees, then we'll have our revival. But the truth of the matter is, in order to grow people, the only way to grow people is to grow it with seed that never changes. So this is so important that we are throwing out what it says in 2 Timothy 3.16, a type of scripture that is given by the inspiration of God. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Isaiah 55 and 11 says this, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. All right, what does that mean? It means automatically it's going to produce. That's right. That's right. It shall it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Meaning, we have a word that is profitable. It's the inspired word. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. It is an accomplishing word. It is a, it is a word that is prospering. But more importantly, it is a word that goes out like a boomerang and comes right back. It will not return void. Amen. And so we have to understand, don't modify this. Don't modify truth. Don't modify truth. Even just if truth hurts, it's meant to hurt. Right? right. right? What do they call the word? It is a two-edged what? Sword. Sword, right? 
it's it's has that ability to do what pierce okay no one likes to be pierced but sometimes we need to be pierced why is it piercing because we live in a world that has grown such a thick exterior and whether you believe it or not now we can uh, we, we can talk about the uh, the armor of God and all those types that's that's something different I'm talking about what the world has caused us to do we've come to be calloused okay so calloused that number one we're losing sensitivity and we're, we're losing some dexterity. We're losing, we're, we're losing things that we need a word that cuts through a callousness. Yeah. And so it's so vital that we understand if we keep this the way it is, it will do its job. Yeah. Which leads us to what Matthew 24 and 35 says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Think about that just for a, a few seconds and realize that everything is allowed to diminish except this. Yeah. Everything. Even heaven can rust and decay before this will ever rust or decay. So this must not change. The sower must never stop. All right? We must never stop loving people. I know that's a hard one, right? That's a difficult one. It's, it's, it's easy to say, right? Hard to do. We got to love people. We got to love people, <laughs> people, people, people. See, the sower must keep throwing out that life-changing word, that seed. Now, when, you read, when we read that Matthew 13, you saw the wayside soil. You've seen the, the stony, the thorn, thorny soil. You've seen the good soil. And, and, and really, I've brought this point up before in lessons before and messages before. Any, any farmer worth their salt doesn't waste seed. They, they, they go into it with a, a, a very specific equation to make sure they buy the right amount of seed for the right amount that they're going to sow. And so no farmer would ever purposely look at thorn bushes and say, I'm going to waste that seed there. I'm going to oh, waste that, that soil right there on the side of the road. I'm going to throw seed there because that no farmer in their right mind would do that. But here's the point I'm trying to make is that we're no right farmers. <laughs> we are crazy farmers. We are, we are farmers who don't work in the natural. Yeah. We must work in the supernatural. Where this world says there's no growth, the supernatural says there can be something there. Yes. It's absolutely foolish to throw costly seed into poor soil. But 1 Corinthians 1 and 27 says, But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, and the things which are not to bring to not things that are. Just a few verses in that same chapter, verse 21. For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by, by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Can I even tell you right now? I was thinking about that verse right there. 
this is foolishness what I'm doing. This is foolishness to believe I can put a dent in 8.1 billion people. But God's chosen that. <laughs> He's chosen the fools of this world to say, I need you to still do it. Why? Because we can always go back to this, like Isaiah said, his word will not return void. Can you imagine? Now, I, I, I heard a great podcast. I was out because I was sick, and I heard a great message about someone who brought up. Could you imagine what you can do if you could not fail? Could you imagine what we could do if we could throw this somewhere and it would grow? If we can, if we can sow this word in places and it's going to grow. Why, I'm not speaking foolishness, even though I'm a fool preaching foolishness. But what I'm trying to say is that if we have, do we believe this or don't we believe this? Because if we believe it, then it changes the game. It changes the paradigm. Because we, we have taken on a worldly farmer mentality saying it costs too much to even try that. It is not worth doing that. It's, there's, there's, no, there's no way God can reach into those, into those houses, into those hearts, into those co-workers of mine or those, or those family members of mine. There's just no way. We, we talk ourselves out of it before we even try to sow there. And so we have to understand as a sower, we must cast the seed everywhere and trust and hope that he will give the increase. So we have a seed that never changes. We have a sower that won't stop, right? The next thing I want to talk about is people, 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 people. We have people that must be the priority. They have to be the priority. Now, what does that mean for us as a church? It means visitors must be our priority. Right. People who walk through our door who've never stepped foot in this church must be our priority. People in your circles, in your surroundings. Remember, if you want to know people, you got to know their surroundings. There's a reason why people have different... I mean, we all speak English in here for the most part, I think. Right? Now, my English is a little bit different than Brother Foster's English. But we're, we're, we come from the same country. But obviously we don't come from the same people. Right. right? Because we have different surroundings. We have different backgrounds. Those things, that's what makes us so diverse and wonderful. Right. But we also have to be smart and wise to it. We just can't, I can't assume that I can, I can reach someone the same way I was reached in my surroundings it takes some wisdom to understand some things that's why why it's so important for me to make sure that the leadership of this church is so diverse yeah. if i were to go out and just pick out people who are carbon copied to me okay we would not have the growth we have right. instead i prayed god give me diverse sowers give people look send harvesters here that's that's the thing that we need to understand too when we pray to the lord of the harvest to send forth laborers you're not hr right. <laughs> <laughs> I need workers, Lord. God's like, all right. And he sends them. You're like, I, I need specific workers, Lord. <laughs> no, 
It's my job to take what the work that I have in front of me, the discipling process, because that's what, that's what it is. It's the discipling process for me to share with the disciples that, hey, this is what our Lord loves people. We got to reach people anywhere we can, everywhere we can, anytime we can. And you have specific backgrounds and you have specific dialects and you have specific cultures that because of that, you can witness to somebody that I can't witness to. You can reach to someone that I can't reach to. Now I could take the approach that I need to be everybody's person. Like, I need to be everyone's connecting point to the seed. If I take that mentality, then I exhaust myself in a field, and my acreage is very small. Okay? Because all I'm I'm caring is about my kingdom, not the kingdom. And so it's so important that as we're being discipled, as I'm trying to do right now in this very, this very setting, okay, is I'm trying to get us to understand that the harvest is plenteous and the laborers are few. Let's not fight with each other. Let's not be at odds with laborers. Let's not, you know what? Some people, you know, they, I've been on work sites before, and it's, it's so funny how there's different ways to swing a hammer. You're not doing that right. Do it this way. And you're like, it's built one way. I mean, it's bring it up, bring it down, right? But everyone has their way of doing it. It's so interesting because that will get under your skin quick because you, you could take that as number one, they're, they're prideful and they're trying to, uh, they're trying to um, exert some type of authority over you, maybe possibly. But what if it's the other way? What if they see something that they have worked out and perfected? What if something that they seen and said, you know, I've been swinging that hammer for 30 years. I learned that if I swing it from, from this type of angle and if I swing it from this type of motion, I don't wear out my shoulder as fast. Same thing happens in, in, in the churches. There are elders amongst us who've been swinging hammers for a long time. There are elders among us. There are preachers among us, teachers and people that God has sent through those doors to help us that we need to have a humble spirit and say, you know what, labor, teach me how to labor. How do you, how did you give Bible studies or how do you give Bible studies? What are, what are your tricks? What are your ways? How do you get an invitation to someone's dinner table? Those are things that we need to be asking. Those are things that we need to be talking about. Not, um, you know, just worrying about my seat and my seat only in the church. I need to be worried about people, 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 and who else? people. So it's so important that as we go through this, we first understand that that last person on the row, that people, that's the good ground. Nobody in here started there. (laughs) There's no such thing as automatic good ground. I don't know if you know that. Okay. Good ground was something that someone long ago worked hard to produce. I'm talking about wells that we've never dug from. We've never dug, but yet we are drinking from. 
I thank God for my elders. I thank God for brother, uh, brother and sister Gan for coming here and digging out a well here in, in Columbia, okay? What they started, what they, what they planted, okay, is what we are drinking in today. Okay, we're not going to sit here and say, oh, since Pastor Huba and Sister Huba came, then that's when everything took off. Oh, no. That's not when it took off because you didn't get to see the seed that was planted underneath the ground that began to die out and begin to germinate and begin to, to go. I just, I'm just someone who's good at watering. That's it. I'm a water. I'm that guy who's got a really good, you know, I went and bought a special spigot and I like to spray kids in the face. Just... Because that's what we need to also understand. There are those who plant and there are those who water. But we're all working for the same Lord of the harvest. So we must right now understand why should people, the ground, be a priority? It's because if it's not cultivated, it will never yield forth the percentages that a church needs. All right? A harvester in the field must cultivate every type of person, every type of soil in order for it to become good soil. And I'm, I'm still not done with good soil because sometimes we think good soil is really good soil, but we'll get there. Wayside soil, the first type of soil mentioned must cease from becoming forgotten about soil. It must cease from being treated like the edge of our burden type soil. It must become cultivated by integrating good soil within the wayside soil. Now, I talked about Matthew 13. I talked about Mark 4 and Luke 8. And I, they, they all tell the echoing of, of, of Jesus telling this parable. And I, wanna, I really want to bring out Luke 8 because he mentions something a little bit different in Luke 8 and 5. He says, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it, and it was trodden down. And the fowls of the air devoured it. Luke's 8 rendition of the gospel is the only gospel that proves that it was, or not proves, but emphasizes that it was trodden down. The rest of them say it fell and here comes the fowls of the earth. Okay? Why is that, why is that important for us to pay attention to? Well, that statement trodden down, it means to treat with rudeness and insult. There are people, I wish we could be real transparent with ourselves today. Are there people in our circles, in our surroundings, that we have treated with insult? Have we have treated in such a way that is, is rude, that is short? Have you ever been short with someone before? That's the action of trotting down. Yes. We need to have a clarity. We need to have a real understanding in that moment. Am I truly loving people? Now, don't get me wrong. We're not. It's hard to keep it on all the time. Sure. It's hard. It's hard to keep the smile. You know, all all you know, forty of your teeth. Uh, do people have forty teeth? Some people have less. Some have a little bit more. I, I don't know. <clears throat> all those pearly whites in your mouth. It's hard to show them constantly because we got our own problems, right? And it's hard to to turn that off. And, and, and compartmentalize our situations, our problems, and be nice to someone and be in soul-winning mode all the time. But that's where prayer comes through, right? Right? What are we supposed to count everything joy? 
temptations, trials, struggle bus. How do we, how do we get to that place? Well, you come to 6 a.m. prayer on a Wednesday morning, right? Because I, I know that I was in the house with some people praying that I know that they got problems. I know they got problems. We talked about some of those problems. But they still are some of the most joyful people you've ever met in your life because prayer changes things. It changes your disposition. It changes your mentality. Now, if we could be a church that captures prayer, praise God. <laughs> if we could capture prayer and allow prayer to dictate our, our, our circumstances, then we can always keep it on. Yeah. You could be going through such storms and, and people have no idea that your world is crumbling down and you got this look on your face that everything is all right and you're at peace. And the only way that happens is because you're in prayer. You, you have a relationship with God. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's so vital that we understand that wayside soil must be the type of people that are on this edge of burden, they're the type of people that we continue to treat rudely or short and just we don't spend the quality time we need to. And I, I, I'm, I could bring up more examples, but you know who I'm talking about in your life. There are definitely people that rub you the wrong way and you steer clear from them. I've seen you. I've, I've seen you walk in church and exit. I've seen it. When I say in Jesus' name you're dismissed, I see your exit strategies. <laughs> I see who you'll say goodbye to and who you won't say goodbye to. How do I know that? Because I got them people. <laughs> your pastor's got them people. How do I get a how do I circumnavigate Brother Foster? He's gonna keep me here till Thursday. <laughs> hey, look, Brother Foster. <laughs> He, it don't matter. He's just going to be the last person out. He's going to get you. There's other people who are going through things, and they, they're the type of people that want to tell you all of them, yeah. right? And we can treat people like this wayside soil, but we have to change and understand the reason they're coming to us that way is because of their surroundings. If we can understand that they, they are birthed out of rudeness, they have been fostered out of edge of burden. They, you know what they're thinking internally? Do you really love me? Do I really have a listener? Because that's sometimes it's all it takes. Sometimes it's not talking to them. It's just hearing them, hearing their concerns, hearing their struggles, and, and just simply saying, I'm going to be praying for you. That's it. So we have to understand that's the first type of person. Second, stony soil. Stony soil, stony type people must be cultivated by the shovels and tillers of patience and long-suffering. It will take time. Hear me? Someone say time. time. Effort. Effort. And pain to break up hard ground. It'll take those things, it'll take time, effort, and pain to break up hard ground and pull those boulders, those stones, to make it into good soil where the root can dive down to find the source of growth. Matthew Gospel, Matthew 13, 5 and 6 talks about it, brings up 
these words, that it was scorched, that were, there was no deepness of earth and no root. Mark 4, 5 through 6, his gospel says kind of the same exact thing. Brings up it was scorched, there was no depth of earth and no, no root. But Luke's gospel makes one little difference, a point here. In Luke 8 and 6, he says, It died because of lack of moisture. Yeah. <clears throat> now to understand that, we go further down in Luke 18, 8 and 13. Luke 8 and 13 says that at the end of that text, that temptation says, and in time of temptation, it'll fall away. Nothing will dry a situation more than temptation. We need to have anybody, this is everybody, hear me today. Your growth is, is absolutely predicated upon the strength of your roots. Okay, I've, I preached a message before when I casted a vision about us moving. We are, we are, are, we are a pretty plant in a small pot. Okay? And we can, only, we can only grow as far as that pot will allow us to grow. Right. That's why this church is, I hate to say it, we're only going to see a certain amount of growth based on the four walls of this pot. Yeah. All right. We're going to have to break open our walls so that our roots can spread out. Okay? <clears throat> or we're going to have to, like I talked Sunday, we're going to have to get another pot Take some portion of that and put it in another pot. Yeah. Right? <laughs> My point being is that this is this is not just this is not just a stony soil situation. This is all people. All people's growth is predicated upon their root system. And if you don't have a strong root system, if you don't if you don't have any depth, but most importantly, if you can't retain the moisture needed. Yeah. And the way we do that is how we handle temptation. And I touched on it. Prayer. If we don't have a relationship through prayer to deal with temptation, that's where we get rooted. We get rooted in prayer. We, we dive deep in prayer. That's what stony soil teaches us. It's, it's people who struggle with prayer. Is there anybody in here like that? You know, to raise your hand. But let's be honest. If this is sounding a lot like my situation, where every time I'm dealing with trial and tribulations, and and I'm and then I'm I'm missing church because of this problem, and I'm I'm I'm, I'm stopping my Bible reading, I'm not praying like I should because problems persist. Yeah. I, I, I'm in stony soil. <laughs> I'm in that place where things need to be broken up. But our response as a church should be patience and long-suffering with people who are going through circumstances. Thorny soil. This type of people begs for the hands of a harvester to help rip out the thorns of old relationship with new godly relationship. Thorns, as we read in those, in those texts, it chokes it out. It chokes out growth. There are people that you will that you will grow to know and to learn that they are they are the way they are because of the people around them. Right. And that is a hard thing right there. To get to persuade them 
to uproot their life out of their circle and come to a house of God and be transplanted where God can grow them. That takes time. It takes, it takes time in real relationship. You can't just do that overnight. I, you, you, if, if I were to meet you for the first time, right? How many could probably remember the first time you walked through the door and you met me? Okay, you probably you gave me a little bit of the benefit of the doubt because I'm the pastor of the church, right? But what if I'm like, hey, I'll come, I want to come over to your house tomorrow for dinner and just invited myself over. You would be like, whoa, this guy's pushy. <laughs> now you'd look at me and go, I get it. He's big, he's hungry, but he's pushy. <laughs> but immediately you'd be standoffish. Immediately, uh, you know, that's why it's so vital in how we connect with visitors because it can make or break them coming back. It can make and break the growth track and, and those types of things. We really have a vital moment. And it's so important that we understand that. But if I'm very quick to just to in, in thrust myself into their life, it won't come off as natural. It won't come off as good and they immediately will be shut off and immediately push into their, to their group and their group is nothing but thorns. Okay? So we have to understand that thorny soil must be a process where we have real genuine relationship with someone who's new. Now that's a whole nother probably lesson on a whole nother day how to make new friends. (laughs) Right? But if you love God and you understand that God loves people, and if you can love people, then you can have the time to invite someone to lunch. You will foster a time to connect with somebody, befriend them, make, make a connection, follow up with them. Uh, we, we've said this word before, adopt them. Take them under your wing and, and cherish them and say, you know what, genuinely, if you've got a problem, I want to know about it because I want to pray with you about it. If you are hungry, let me know. I'll feed you. I don't have the, the greatest of the great. I'll clothe you, okay? You might have something that'll be very extra roomy, but it's okay. I want to be your friend. I want to be someone who's connected to you. That's what people need. I, I've, I've talked about this in some of our leader meetings that there are certain people who've left our church and when we get to the root reasons is because they were some people were not connected to the church. And for me to say shame on them for not opening up, that's the wrong way to look at it. We have to say no, shame on us for us not reaching harder. Shame on me for not being more available. Because here's the deal. When we get to heaven, 8.1 million people are standing before the, the great white throne judgment. And thank you, billion. 8.1 billion plus. Because that's just the current number of today. Who knows what that number is in all of eternity? We're standing there. Let me tell you what, you will be combing your mind, asking yourself this question, did I do enough? I don't care if you're the Pope. (laughs) I don't care if you're DKB. You will, all of us will be asking that question, did I do what I was supposed to? Did I love people like he told me to love people? 
Did I care for people? Did I reach out with my hands of relationship? Mark 4 and 7 is, is the one kind of text, verse in this, uh, this gospels, these three gospels that makes one clear point that I want to bring out. It says that, and some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it. But this is what's different. All the other ones say that, but this one makes this point, and it yielded no fruit. None of them mention that it, don't mention that it yielded no fruit. And it's important for us to understand what Mark's trying to say. Mark's gospel is because it gives us a glimpse of what could have been. And that's something that I think that we need to really understand is what could have been for these types of people if they were given the right relationship. They could have yielded fruit. You look at the one rich young ruler who goes to Jesus. How do I obtain eternal life? And he, you know, you know the story. Jesus, do this, do this, follow these commandments. I've done it all, he says. He says, one thing thou lackest, right? Go and sell what you have and give it to the poor. He walks away. He can't do it. And I always read that story and I always think, what could have been? What could have been? Of the possible 13th apostle. What could have been? What kind of churches could he have started? What kind of places could he have been sent? What, what could have been is all that comes up to me, but because something choked it out. That's everyone has unlimited potential. But if they allow things to, to old things to, to stifle because we don't want to take the time to grow in a relationship with someone, I hope we hear that. There's that potential is it's going to be added to our account. Right. I believe that. Right. I believe that comes upon my, my, my judgment. You know that the, the scripture says don't, don't desire to be many masters, right? Don't, don't be seeking to be an authority is it's kind of saying because there's going to be a greater account. Right. I believe me. This is just my belief. I believe there's going to be a what if. If you did this, this could have been. I go to the last soil, the last type of person, good ground. Let me say it this way. Good ground still needs attention. Good ground is the best place. It is the best location. Good ground is surrounded to raise your future. Good ground is a place where a family must be raised. I'm going to read each gospel's account of good ground. Matthew 13, 23. But he that receives seed into good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty. Mark 4.20 And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it, and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. Luke 8.15 But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it. And bring forth fruit with patience. It's a little differences there, but I, I want to echo all three of them. 
All three of them were in a position and in a place and in a location where the word was given. That's the church. Get your families into the place where the word is given. I am so, so sick of hearing this rhetoric that faithfulness is just an option. That just, you know, I don't have to be there all the time. Let me tell you what, we have that mentality. All we're doing is defeating ourselves. I'm always scratching my head at, at our Sunday crowd versus our Wednesday crowd. And I'm looking at the, I'm just confused at some of the families who got awesome kids. And I think to myself, how are you teaching them things if they're not in the house of the Lord? Right. How, are you, how are you navigating life? And what are your outcomes and your hopes? And as, as we just learned in, in this, that last soil, in the thorny soil, the potential is all I see when I see young kids. But when I don't see them in the house of the Lord, it's frightening because who's teaching your children? Right. 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 Now, I'm here to tell you, if, if someone tells me that they sit down with their kids and they have, uh, you know, a, an hour a day Bible lesson, I'm, I'm just going to call it like I see it. Don't lie to me. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I'm going to even say this. Just being good doesn't mean you're saved. All right? The standard of good is not what we're called to live. Okay? That's what, we should all be good. But just living, having a house and a life of just good morals, that is wonderful, but it doesn't replace the house of the Lord. And it doesn't place, it doesn't replace the house of Prayer. Yeah. Amen? And so we need to understand. Yeah, wayside soil, I get it. You're, you're the one. <laughs> you're the one who's on the, on the edge of burden. You're the one that it's constantly the, being trodden and ridiculed and, and belittled. I, I, I get it. Uh, stony soil, you, you got, you're hard to deal with because you got hard ground. You're, you're struggling to get things into you because you just you got hardness of heart. You have no depth. I get it. thorny soil. I know you've got voices around you that are constantly, you know, saying things. But let me, I don't want to take I don't want to take my foot off the gas good soil still needs attention Amen. <laughs> good soil I'm amazed by this how quickly it can come bad soil yeah. why it's because a location change is all that matters whenever you want to know people then understand their surroundings you want to know people then understand their location if we want to know people, then have a burden from where they come from. If you want to know people, then we got to work with them or where they're at. Because that's who God loves. He loves people, 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 people. Let's all stand. Amen. You just go ahead and just say this. If you don't love people, then don't be a sower. All right. Don't don't try to attempt. There's no, 
I tell you what, artificial love is so, ugh. right? Fake kindness, we can see through it. That's not what the church we're trying to be. We're not, we're trying to be genuine. You know, and, and there are times I have to have conversations with, you know, there have been people who visited us and there was, there was a situation in the altar that um, someone took the, you know, got, got offended and they didn't come back to this church again and I called them to find out if everything's okay and, and you know, immediately they were offended and they just, they looked at every of the negative of, of immediately of what happened in the altar. That's why it's so, let me just pause there and say, hey, if, if there's a right way to pray with people in the altar. Amen. <clears throat> There's an appropriate way. And one of the, the best ways you can do is not put your hands on people's heads and shake and bake them. And, and I know, and let me just say this. Let me, let me go ahead and just make a general rule for this church. If someone's brand new to this church, it is not your place to put your hand on their head. On their head. Yes. And I don't care if God told you. Okay. You, this pastor says don't do it. Okay? Especially the first time. Yeah. So that's kind of something that happened. One of those situations. And this is what I said. I said, I'm, I, I said, please forgive us. We love people. And sometimes we're imperfect on the way we show it. Sometimes we're sloppy with our love. Sometimes we didn't mean to offend please understand truthfully that we would never want anyone to leave this church feeling as uncomfortable or feeling a certain way. Yes. And I want you to know this, that we, we are not what you think we are. I promise you this, that that situation was a one-off situation. We are, we, we are going to do our best to look inwardly. Amen? And not blame things on other people because, again, good soil. I believe we're good soil, amen? But we still need God's hands sifting us, working in us, correcting us, giving us wisdom and understanding and clarity. And, and why? Because if we allow, if we yield ourselves to his hands, then we're going to multiply. Okay? Praise God. I, we're going to multiply. I love that. We're going we're gonna to bring forth more goodness, more strength. Let's bow our heads together. God, thank you for today. God, I pray, continue to help us to fall in love with people. Help us to love people like you love people. Help us to understand that we are surrounded by people in every corner who don't know who you really are, who've never felt a real love like yours. I pray, use us. Uh, activate the Holy Ghost to be a witness, God, to show forth and shine forth. Let us be a city set on a hill which cannot be hid. Let a warmth of love overwhelm my neighbor, my co-worker, my family member. But God, I pray, stir us to conviction. Help us understand that there are people, 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 people all around us who need your love. We thank you. Protect us, keep us, guard us, bring us back here safely. In your name we pray. Would you say his name with me? Jesus' name. Amen. 
If you were encouraged by this message and you would like to connect with Ephesus Church or you would like to get in contact with the leadership of this church, please visit EphesusChurch.com. Thank you for being a part.